Hey y'all, it's Sarah. Just a quick note about this episode. It does contain reference to murder, death, and suicide, so if you are sensitive to those subjects, please listen with care or skip this episode. Also, this was recorded over a year ago, so if there are references to dates that don't quite match up with the current time, like saying it's 2021 or something, that's why. All right, that's it. Enjoy the episode. Bad architecture. <laughs> oh my I can God. see you giggling. <laughs> I can see you giggling. Okay. That's great. Welcome okay. to our third recording of Bad Architecture. I'm Sarah T.G. Meets. I'm Erin Keneally. And this is Bad Architecture, where we bring you stories of strange, weird, basically any rendition of the word bad in any of its, uh, you know, technical meanings and everything. You know, it can be bad, so bad it's good. It can be bad people, bad form, bad histories, just bad. And, um... (laughs) And at the end, we like to give you a little badass architecture. So it's a little bit of yeah. everything. It is a little bit of everything. I did have to explain this to David today, my partner, because um, he just he's like, exactly. Why is it bad? I had to explain that. So thank you for putting that in there. <laughs> it is, you know, because bad has many meanings. And it does. You know, we're not just talking about design, though we might talk about ones that we find are bad design in our opinion. But did bad things happen there? Is it it has bad associations? You know, bad people. You know, again, so bad it's good. That's going to hopefully happen in the future as well. So it's got, you know, bad can can mean a lot of things. And this is our way of sharing those stories behind the buildings and the things that draw us to the kind of weird stuff that happens at these buildings. And Aaron is going to go first today, and I'm really excited about this. Oh, we forgot to say what the the theme is for this week. So each week we kind of pick a theme that we go with with our research, and this one was mine that I couldn't uh, that I couldn't wait to do. And we both found some really fun stuff to share with you. And it was hotels from hell. Aaron, I can't wait to hear yours. Okay, so this week I picked. Um, I'm sure everybody's at least heard of once. It's a very famous or infamous building. Uh, it's the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles. Yay. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, I'm sure if you watched American Horror Story, that was the one in the hotel season. If you yeah. watched the Netflix documentary of the vanishing girl. Wait, um, there's, a, there's a Netflix documentary? There is. Oh, my God. You didn't watch that? <laughs> N- no, but I have seen the American Horror Story one, and that was really good. <laughs> it was really good. It had Lady Gaga in it. It did. She was amazing. Yes. So the Netflix documentary is, like most documentaries, based on fact. But, you know, it kind of goes down its own little rabbit hole a little bit. But at the end, they tie it up, you know, and, and bring in the rest of the facts. So it, it's a really good documentary. I, I recommend it. It's very entertaining. Okay. Um, we're so not getting I'm, compensated by Netflix here, though. No, we're not. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it was good. And so was American Horror Story. So the history of this building, it was built in 1924. So, of course, it's fabulous. As a middle-classy kind of budget hotel. Um, and it is in the Bose Arts commercial style. Mm-hmm. Now, the in, that's the exterior for sure. But in the interior, there is Beaux-Arts, um, obviously. 
But there are nice deco touches in there that make it just the most astounding lobby. It's amazing. And I can't believe it still looks like that after everything it's been through. This is a current image, the one that you sent of me that we'll share. Um, This is a current image of the lobby right now. Yeah, well, it's, I would say, within the last five years or so. It's not like, you know, yesterday. (laughs) It's so shiny. It's so beautiful. So pretty. All right. So three three hoteliers, William Banks, Hannah, Charles L. Dix, and Robert H. Shops uh, were the guys that built it. It was designed by Lloyd Lester Smith. That's the architect. I cannot find anything on this guy, um, like, as far as, like, really noteworthy to talk about. I'm going to keep looking, though, because now I'm really interested in this architect. Um, it cost $15 million to complete. And both, Whoa. <laughs> yes, with the beautiful marble lobby. It's got stained glass windows. It's got alabaster statuary. Wait, like, wait, $15 million back then? Yes. And it was... Holy crap. It was exciting for the area because it was located in a place where, like, a railway came. You know, it was, like, kind of, like, in a hub of Mm -hmm. transportation. So what it was supposed to be was kind of like a, you know, scary motel that you stop at, you know, spend the night, but something comfortable, not super expensive. Somewhere you could stay if you were traveling through. But glamorous enough. I mean, if you're in L.A., you know, you're you're hopping off the train in L.A., you're Staryard Starlet, and uh, you don't have a ton of money, but you're not going to stay at, like, the Notel Motel. Right, exactly. You get to walk (laughs) into this gorgeous marble lobby, and, I mean, it feels, it looks classy, it feels special, it definitely does not look skeevy. No, not at all. And I mean, that's again why it's so surprising that it's still so beautiful, considering all it's been through, you know, in the neighborhood. And, and we'll get into that in a second. But it's got uh, fourteen or fifteen floors. The all the descriptions and articles I found on this vary on that. I don't know why. Um, oh, do you think it's the thirteenth floor thing where some people count in and some people don't? It might be. Um, I cannot find any verification for that, so nobody take my word on that, but it might be. Um, and there's 700 rooms somebody in, in it, so. Somebody in L.A. Yeah, somebody, please go in there and tell me how many floors are actually in there, because I can't figure it out. Go up the um, elevator. Let us know. But it's a great adaptive reuse, so I'll get to that. Yeah. That's my ending. Um, so what happened was, is about five years in after this was built, the Great Depression hit. So everything went to shit, basically, in the neighborhood around it. And the neighborhood around it is literally called... Yeah, exactly. That's why that was so perfect, (laughs) your opening um, music. Basically, the whole neighborhood around there is literally called Skid Row. Oh. So what happened was, is a lot of, you know, 'er ne'er-do-wells started staying there because it was super cheap, because they had to make it super cheap because it's 700 rooms. What are you going to do with a building that's 700 rooms? And it's like located in the middle of literally Skid Row. So, yeah, that that whole welcoming, nice hotel thing that they were going for at the very beginning, this kind of seems like it, uh, they kind of got let down on that. Exactly. And that's sad, you know, because it really is a cool building. It's beautiful. And it's it's just a shame. The popularity, which peaked in the 40s, uh, really suffered. So not only was 
you know, it was it was ne'er do wells, but it was also people down on their luck. So not necessarily, you know, um, criminal element. But after the 40s, <laughs> Los Angeles started pushing its homeless population into the Skid Row area uh, rather than dealing with any wider social issues, right? So they pushed them all into this area to live. And so <laughs> the hotel soon was like a rooming house for like transients. Okay. Um, you know, people who could, you know, get a few bucks and get a room for the night. So instead right. of like, you know, creating social safety nets for people in need, they were just like, okay, we're just pushing you out of the other parts of the city, sh- making these places basically take low pay for the rooms and creating these little communities of people down on their luck that society has failed, that some have issues and all just encapsulated in this one area. Exactly. So it kind of, so it has this reputation of being cursed kind of from the beginning. Um, In 1927, that was when the first suicide was there. Oh, that starts Um, off very early. Yeah, yeah, it started right away, kind of. But that brings up another thing. There's been 16 very unusual deaths there. But as far as I know, every hotel has, you know, some kind of sorted stories. If you asked anybody, there would be people who committed suicide, um, you know, in clean and unclean ways. You know, some people ingest poison. There's a few of those at the hotel. There's a, a lot of people jumping out the windows Jesus. or from the, or from the top. You well, you know? said it's 13 or 14 or 14 or 15 stories. So, I mean, you get yeah. some height. It's it's big enough uh, to you know do some damage. <laughs> like you're like you mean business if you're jumping off fourteen or fifteen stories. This know? isn't like a four. This isn't like a four story walk up. You know you're not. Right. This is this is going to do some real right where you might make it, but just be you know very damaged. This this there's no way you're going to make it. If you jump I mean, off it just there. makes me think, especially if this happens at tons of hotels. You know, most hotels, I believe, like you said, have histories of death, suicide, you just, the people that have to find these bodies. I mean, the poor you staff, know, right? You think they're not paid, they're not paid can't enough. Be that bad. Right. Exactly. You think work in a hotel, how bad could it be? Right. You know, everybody's bad. on vacation, you know, maybe they're in a good mood. No, they're not. Bodies. And, and they, <laughs> right. Exactly. Dead bodies. Dead bodies. Poison. How many mattresses? I'm just saying. Oh God. Must you go through? So, Anyway, there was one in particular that stood out to me, and that was this um, Dorothy Jean Purcell. She's 19 years old, and she was there with a guy in 1944. Yeah, a baby. And she had a baby while she was there. Oh, my God. And she thought it was dead, so she threw it out the window because she didn't want the guy she was with to see it. That's the story. So she had a baby. Like, she brought the baby with her, or she gave birth to a baby there? She gave birth to a baby there. And threw so the baby is, out the window. Yeah. So I, oh my I'm God. thinking this is like a 1944 version of like the prom girl having the baby in the bathroom. <laughs> That's no. all I can figure with this because oh it's like, God. holy crap, you know, and then she doesn't want the guy to know. Didn't he know she was pregnant? Didn't she know she was pregnant? Is this like an episode like of like, I didn't know I was pregnant? It might be. I don't know. It's really weird. There's no other there's no other real details that I, I can mean, get without getting like court records or yeah, whatever. Like, but sex, like, sex ed, yeah. I don't think was very informative back then. No. But she, here's the thing. She gave birth to the baby on the bathroom floor, you know, again, 
right? And then she thought it was stillborn, so she threw it out the window because she didn't want the guy <laughs> to find out. And then the coroner, coroner's report states that the child was actually alive. It just oh, wasn't God. breathing. Well, not anymore because she threw it out the window. Oh, my God. But she was charged with murder but found not guilty by means of insanity because, you know, in 1944, everybody's like, why would you throw a baby out the window? You're hysterical. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? And that saved her. Oh, my God. She threw it out the window? I just, yeah. like, I mean, I don't ever often, I never think of disposing bodies of babies, but I don't right. think if I'm going to, if you're going to hide a baby body, I don't feel like flinging something out the window is very, like, covert. No, it's not. And it's a poor choice. And I think that this poor girl had a history of poor choices already by 19. You know, I think she seems like someone who just, you know, was struggling. Struggling and, you know, making that, can, you know, imagine giving birth. On a bathroom floor. In a hotel. It's, It's terrifying. I wouldn't know if the baby... I wouldn't know what to do with a baby that came out of me. Right. I, I mean, and especially I, if it's not breathing or crying, you know, like you think it would be. If you've never had a baby or you've never seen somebody or, he, or heard it described, you wouldn't know. Yeah. You would but think I also, it was dead. I also don't think I'd still, I still don't think I'd throw it out yeah, the window. I, I have, I, I have problem, do it. I have problem throwing like gum or apple cores out the window. Right. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I have a, I can't even hold infants. If their heads are wobbly, I won't hold them unless I'm sitting <laughs> too down. Mushy, they're I have, scary. Oh, God. Now I don't want their head wobbling all around. It freaks me out. <laughs> so, you know, I don't want their little neck to snap while I'm holding them. So, like, you know, people are like, hold my baby. I'm like, I got to sit down. <laughs> That's just me, though. I know yeah. that other people have that problem, too. <laughs> they're just terrified. Yeah, yeah, I'm terrified. Okay, so there's other tragic cases. So there was murders as well. There was a, in 1964, there was a murder of a woman who had been raped, beaten, and stabbed. Nobody ever found the killer. In the 80s and 90s, there were a couple of serial killers that spent some time there. So that, you know, only Wait. added to the cursed hotel. Did you yes. say a couple? Yes. So uh, Richard Ramirez, <laughs> the night crawler. What? <laughs> night crawler, night stalker. Okay. You know, I think they might be right saying this hotel is cursed. I just don't think a lot of, like, hotels can boast multiple serial killers staying. Like, that's like, okay, we're talking, this is cursed territory. This is definitely cursed territory. I'm leaning that way. Yeah. You know, because at first I'm like, how? You know, come on, all hotels, right? But then I'm like, wait a minute, because it just seemed like there's this weird vortex swirling around this building of, like, you know, darkness sucking people in it's like oh there's a dark one come on in right (laughs) so they go stay there right do you like to murder people (laughs) we have a room right for you (laughs) we have just the room for you right turn down service knife sharpening and clean up in the morning (laughs) oh my god free zip ties for anybody who (laughs) rents for a month or more i mean you know come on (laughs) it's like uh, the other one was this Jack Unterweger, which is an Aust- Austrian journalist. And he'd done some murders in Austria and then came here and had all this prestige as a journalist and stayed there for a while. But turns out he was killing people here, too. So there's oh, number two. Geez. While he was staying there, both of them during their killing sprees. And maintaining a, a successful journalism career. So yeah. dreams are possible. They are possible. <laughs> you just for time, anybody. time management. That's that's what we. 
is <laughs> time management. Oh my really god. Really good time management. Ay ay ay. Okay, so anyway, so you know, the years go by, uh, you know, all this stuff happening. What happened was everything got revived, not just with American Horror Story, because if you watch that and you saw that lobby, you go, oh, my God, is that a real place? And of course, you Google it to see if it's a real place. And it is. Um, that wasn't even it. It was this Alyssa Lamb disappearance. I believe it was 2013 um, that she disappeared from the hotel. So she was like this girl kind of traveling on her own. She was young. And there's a video in the elevator of this girl, like, looks like she's talking to someone who isn't there. Like there's nobody there. Yeah. Like in and out of the elevator. And she does like this, all these weird movements. You're like, what's going on? This is weird. You know? (laughs) Oh, I I have creepy chills. I have creepy chills. Yeah. (laughs) So, and there, that's why they made this documentary on it because it's just such a weird thing. And there's like a whole underground of people who were trying to solve this mystery of where did this Alyssa Lamb go or why did she act that way? Um, Eventually she, there are water tanks on top of the building. And eventually she was found in one of them with no clothes on. Uh, um, how do you get into a water tank? That's a- It's a very tiny opening and you have to climb a ladder. So what happened, <laughs> she was found there because people started saying the no, water no, smelled weird. No, no, uh, yes, no. yes, yes. It's in the documentary. It's so gross. So, no. <laughs> So the water smells funny or tastes funny. Oh, and so they're they drinking went up people to water. The water oh, tanks, and that's when they found her uh, decomposing oh. in the water tank. You know, oh, where God. you brush your teeth with it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take a shower with it. You're washing your face. Okay. No, just no, no. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, my God. The poor girl, right? So it turns out. Spoiler alert. If you want to watch the documentary, you know, fast forward a few whatever, or mute it for a few minutes because we're going to talk about what happened. She apparently had some kind of um, mental illness Mm -hmm. and had gone off the meds. So that could explain why she's talking to someone who isn't there or Mm -hmm. acting weird, you know, by herself. Because it really looks like she's talking to a ghost or, you know, or there's somebody just out of the camera range that's like scaring her, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's really creepy. So I can see why all these people got really involved in trying to figure out what exactly happened. Um, But they determined that she did it herself. Like she was so hallucinogenic that she, or hallucinating so much that she went up and went in there. That's so sad. Yeah, but that and, that's the basic determination. But who okay. knows? I mean, we weren't yeah. there. We don't know what happened. Poor thing. So the hotel, like, it never stopped being a hotel during all this time. Right. And so she so, was traveling and she yes. came to this hotel. Right. Right. And they even tried to do a rebrand before all this happened with her. Like, they did, like, on one side of the building, there's another entrance. And so they kept the hotel's Cecil as one mm-hmm. part. And then on the other side, they took a bunch of rooms, like kind of cut it, not cut uh-huh. it, but like chose an area that was going to be stay on main hostel. So like, you know, youth hostel. So like people could come and stay really cheap mm-hmm. on that side of the building and the, or go a little classier on the fancy lobby side of the yes, building. Yes, the Hotel Cecil were not yeah. just for serial killers. Exactly. <laughs> come and stay. It's pretty. We're and, also you know, for traveling, poor traveling students. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for the serial killers to kill. 
Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So what's happened is, is it has been designated by the Los Angeles City Council. It's a historic cultural monument. Ooh. Um, so it has been designated in 2017. Okay. This is just from December 14th, 2021. It's ABC7 News. Okay. From Los Angeles. It is becoming an affordable housing unit. That's the adaptive reuse. Okay. So isn't that great? So I'm guessing the na- I'm guessing the neighborhood it's I mean it's still referred to as Skid Row, so it still kind of is where a lot of people that society has failed kind of find community. So what it is, it's um affordable residences to six hundred low income individuals through single room occupancy units and efficiency studios. Wow. So that's pretty cool. I mean six hundred. Yeah, that's a lot um, of well, you said how many rooms? The There's hotel 700. Is? Okay, so some and, might be expanded yeah. or... Yeah, or used for some kind of storage or maybe some kind of office for, like, maybe social workers. I don't know. Um, I would guess there'd be somebody in there like that. Uh, let's see. It's been acquired by Simon Barron Development, and it's operated by Skid Row Housing Trust. So it includes secured entry, a community kitchen, laundry facility, a recreational room, and on-site case management services. There you go. Okay, there <laughs> provided, we go. There we go. There, Good. I knew it was in Good. there somewhere. Provided by SRHT Health and Social Services. And they have a quote in this article. The Cecil Hotel is a perfect example of the bold and creative solutions needed to make a dent in the homelessness crisis. We are proud to partner with Simon Bear Development to welcome home 600 neighbors who are currently unsheltered, unhoused, or housing insecure. And this was a quote by Sierra Atilano. She's wow. the Skid Row Housing Trust Chief Real Estate and Investment Officer. That's so amazing. The, isn't it great? So people that are eligible for this, if if they make between 30% and 60% of the area median income, and they are most, but most units are designated for people making 30% or less. So it's, there's some for people that are making almost nothing. And then there's some for people who are making in that range, right? So that they can, you know, get like a hand up, maybe yeah. get a little savings going. And then here's another quote. From Matt Barron, CEO of Simon Barron Development, unlike other affordable and permanent supportive housing developments, this project was funded and will operate as self-sustaining with private capital. We are really excited to bring the solution to the growing number of people who are suffering on the streets and are in need of a home. So I can't think of a better way for this to end, at least at this point, because what a beautiful building. What a shame all this curse business. I mean, if there is a dark energy there, if people believe in that, that that's up to you. I personally tend to believe in it a little bit. If there's a dark energy there, I mean, what a what a better way. I can't think of a better way to dispel it and make it not a dark energy place, but a good place. Yeah, this beautiful emblem of where home could be for some people. And to see a need right. in the neighborhood to create a solution for it from existing infrastructure. That's great. And to see what they can do with it. I hope it, I hope it's successful. I hope it actually does serve the need of the community and is made affordable to them. And that's awesome. 
Do you think Isn't the, it amazing? Do you think the fame from like American Horror Story helped with any of it? I mean, there's going to be possibly. There's probably going to be people coming for like, you know, like ghoulish like sightseers who wants oh. who want to come see it. So Yes, there's there's a steady stream of people that actually all these underground people that studied the Alyssa Lamb disappearance that go there and try to recreate like what she did to try to figure out what the heck's happening. <laughs> I mean, that might get a little annoying for residents. Yeah. You just keep seeing these people in the elevator that will not go away. I think that's probably why there's security entry now, because, you know, you can't have that. No, I'd be like... Right. Again, another elevator I mean, person. Here's more nuts, you know, <sighs> coming to act it out, almost like a cosplay, you know, right? Like, like I don't want to deal. Like, can you imagine coming in after a long day and having to deal with somebody just in the elevator that's trying to? So, I, I don't know. I'd just be like, I right? Open, can't. close, open, close. <laughs> like <laughs> <at> the door. <laughs> like, I just want to get my groceries in the door, and <laughs> right. oh my god. Right. So oh. yeah. So I mean, wonderful and adaptive reuse. You know, one of my favorite things. So yeah, there. It what is. a great, what a great end to it. Did they? I do know. you know if they had to do like a lot of preservation on it? I mean, that um, lobby is like. Well, I think this is a case of preservation by accident. That lobby. Uh, that like you know, nothing ever really happened. Right. Bad or good. Right. So like, you know, it just was there. Nobody could ever afford to change it even, you know, like in the 60s, you know, everything gets covered over in the 60s with like, you know, flat stuff, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or, you know, boring lighting. It's like nice acoustic I, paneling. Yes. Oh, God. Dropped ceilings. Mm. The worst. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess there's just never any money or en- enough employees or whatever to bother with it. So I think this is probably one of those seriously accidental preservation cases, which is what great. A, because what a happy accident. Yeah. There. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's amazing. So. Well, hopefully we'll get an update down the road. One of how many floors there actually are there. Um, <laughs> I'd like to know. I would like to know if they skip the 13th floor. Somebody yeah. tell me because that always fascinates me. And um, if it actually this project goes forth and really does make have an impact. That's really what a good, bad, good architecture. Right. It kind of it, it ran the gambit. It did everything. It did. it did. I still can't stop thinking, though, about drinking that water. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. Oh my God! I I Steve I'd have me- dreams. <laughs> I'd have dreams forever. We watched that documentary while we were eating dinner. You know, like we'd sit down and watch an episode or two, or eating dinner, and it's like, oh. <laughs> Just- honey, honey, can I get up and get you a glass of water? No, <laughs> never again. God, I only water. drink out of cans and bottles now, <laughs> forever. That's right? Oh my God! I want a bath, but it must be boiled first. <laughs> We're getting Culligan water deliveries forever. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I'll never look at it. Never look at one of those water towers now without thinking that there's a body oh, floating in it. Goodness, and oh. you know you just never think of that ever. Oh, right? the next time I taste something funny in the water, I'm just oh no. Oh. <laughs> just well, great. That's gonna haunt me. Thank you. That is going to haunt me. That's my job. Oh, well, and I've done you. it. Thank you. <laughs> You've done it very well this time. <laughs> wow. I figured Ben Haven uh, would last longer, but apparently not. <laughs> Those disembodied heads. Heads on pikes. Heads on pikes. 
Um, okay. Well, for my my research, my deep dive this week, I chose this is quote unquote the world famous the clown motel. Oh God. And for those of you that don't know me, I'm terrified of clowns. So to know that there's an entire motel dedicated to this terror, <laughs> what I subjected myself to is it's all for you. It's all for you guys. Um, so, the world famous clown motel. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm going to set the scene. <laughs> okay. Visualize. You're in Nevada. <laughs> You're halfway between Reno and Las Vegas. Okay. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you are in Tanopa. Which means small water. It's a Shoshone word for small water. Tanopa was a small mining community that was originally discovered in 1900, as the myth goes, when some asshole threw a rock at a mule. Oh, what? And when he realized the rock was really heavy, that it was silver. Oh, my God. Who... Hurts donkeys. They are one of the coolest creatures. Some silver throwing dick <laughs> discovered a silver, you know, a silver ore in those hills. And um, <laughs> the boom town of Tonopa, Nevada was born, known as the Queen of the Silver Camps. It quickly grew as more. <laughs> Rock-throwing assholes came out to Nevada to uh, mine silver, and, and the Belmont Mining Community was uh, mining company was founded in 1902. So we're talking saloons, shops, brothels, you know, horseshoers, mining goods, hotels, boarding houses, casinos. Basically, in my head, I'm like imagining the town from Young Guns. You know? Oh my god! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's gotcha. what that's what I'm like envisioning in my head. So that's where we that's where we lay our scene. Oh so you know, Tanopa was plagued by some tragedy early on. There were some deaths, so obviously they had to found their cemetery, the Tanopa Cemetery, which was founded in 1901, or it was only active for 10 years. But it was an active 10 years. There was the Tonopa Plague in 1905. Oh, my God. Oh, no. And um, so a lot of my research comes from the world-famous The Clown Motel website. And there's quite a lot of information and spelling and grammatical errors on their website. But... Um, oh, no. <laughs> they des They describe the terrible disease as something that started with chest pains... That led to death within a number of hours. Ah. And when the bodies were autopsied, the horrific, they found that the livers of the victims were completely black and hard like stone. Oh my God. <laughs> then it vaguely says that the cause of the disease was accepted to be pneumonia caused by poor sanitation. Oh. Uh. What is it with the water today? Ugh. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying, it's all in the water. Oh, um, God. And apparently there were lots of fires 
and <laughs> a lot of people died in those over the years. And so a lot of people were buried there. There's some pretty famous people. Um, one of them, the graves there, one of them, her name is Bina Veralt, originally from New York, who made national headlines after she and a friend made a pact to become very wealthy widows. That sounds like you're just going to murder your husbands down the road. Right. Um, and they collected <laughs> clothes and jewelry um, from the men they seduced. Now, oh if they became God. widows, did they seduce and kill? I don't know. It's unclear. She d- died of alcoholism. She's in the cemetery in nineteen, and and the cemetery is important to the story. I'm not. I didn't. I didn't completely switch gears, but we have to <laughs> lay the scene with the cemetery. It ties oh in. God. I promise. I'm not just a taphophile. It, it's important. <laughs> so. <laughs> So there was the Belmont Mine Fire, um, which started deep in the mines, and that was pretty bad. A lot of people died from that. And there's about 300 people buried here. It closed in 1911 when because the tailings, which is like the materials left over after the mining process and water, it's kind of like a slurry of crap, kept washing through the cemetery and damaging it. So they stopped burying people there. But then, you know, in 19, what is it? I want to say like in the 40s or something, one of the mine companies donated extra land. And so there's an active cemetery kind of adjacent to the current cemetery. So, Oh, my God. (laughs) Lots of colorful characters. There's stipulation that it's like haunted because it's a cemetery. So, of course. Sure. And the last fire we're going to talk about is the Belmont Mine Fire of 1942. Because in this fire, one Clarence David died. And he was buried in this, you know, expanded the um, suburban, the suburbia of the original Tonopa Cemetery um, in 1942. And as it says on the site, he just so happened to have dot, 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 that's five dots, a clown collection. Oh. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) He he was a a fan of clowns. Oh, jeez. Mr. David collected all types of clown paraphernalia. We had clown sculptures. Clown figurines, uh, paintings of clowns, statues, probably some needlepoint. Just if if, <laughs> if you can dream it, you can you can have it in clown form. Oh and Mr. God. David did. Oh, wow. So <laughs> so we have Mr. Mr. Clarence David buried in the Tonopa Cemetery, and in 1985, his doting children, Leona and Leroy. In their own sense, those names sound like a circus act. <laughs> they do. Oh my they God. decided to build a memorial to their father. And they opened a motel next to the very cemetery their beloved father was buried in. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they displayed his robust collection of 150 clown-related items in this motel. And I'm going to show you a picture of... The original clown motel. Oh, there's the Tonopa Cemetery oh, with a lovely, it's, uh, uh, again, it looks right out of the Wild West. Oh my God, it totally does. So this is the clown motel. <laughs> oh, jeez. 
two-level kind of L-shaped motel building in a, I'd like to say kind of like a light sky blue. There's a a lovely um, illustrated sign that says Clown Motel with some flashing Mm -hmm. lights around it on kind of a barbershop pole of blue and white. And, you know, a small office that has two clowns on the side of the big, you know, sign for it that says Clown Motel. And it's it's pretty mild looking. It doesn't. The only thing that screams clown on the outside is the big sign and the name Clown Motel. Right. Like it's not painted like a circus tent or something (laughs) like you might think it would be. (laughs) Right. Just wait. (laughs) It happens. (laughs) so you know in the rooms and the office everything kind of had little hints of their father's passion clowns throughout the throughout the hotel (laughs) and and on the website it says it was an instant hit i don't Ah. know with who okay (laughs) um but from the sign that's in front of this it says free internet truckers Good rates, pets okay. So, and the rates at that time that this image was taken, this is probably from the 90s or early 2000s because it has internet. Single rooms were $39.50, two persons $42.50, and three persons a whopping $45.50. Oh, that ain't bad. No, so it's not bad. (laughs) You know, if you're driving from Reno to Las Vegas and you find yourself in the in-between and need a place to stay, the Clown Motel was there for you. Leona and Leroy, the famous flying Leona and Leroy, owned the motel up until 1995 when another couple bought it. Uh, Bob and Deborah Perchetti, or Perchetti, um, somebody can correct me, um, which the website says was a mild-mannered and benevolent gentleman. (laughs) He grew up in the area and um, he celebrated town history and kind of just like really like roped into it. I mean, you have the Clown Motel with a cemetery next to it. I guess it's a kitschy enough attraction that people will come. I can see this. I mean, yeah. if, if you yeah. if you grew up in a small town and you have like really kind of one thing, well, two, but they're kind of attached, right? Like you have like one big thing that draws maybe tourism or business. I can see wanting to keep it going. I mean, yeah. I, I kind of agree with you. I'm I'm not a huge clown fan. I don't know that I'm fully terrified as you are, <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I could do without. I mean, this the the hotel the motel at this at, at as it is in this in this moment this light blue this it seems very like it's clown motel, but it's not the clown motel yet. Right, exactly. <laughs> yet I I might you know oh, if there was no else where else to stay, I would stay here at this point. But right, but. In 2017, it went back up for sale. Uh-oh. It was purchased in 2019 by the Mahar family from Las Vegas, who... Oh, no. <laughs> from the website states, are experienced hoteliers with a wealth of experience from around the globe. Specifically, where is his name? Vijay Mahar. Um, who it states has lots of equality experience in the hotel industry who he worked as a master chef in five-star hotels of repute in Doha, Qatar, Australia, and Canada. But this is the Clown Motel today. Yo, okay. <laughs> oh, no. They took the clown theme and they went deep. <laughs> this is what I was expecting. 
And this is just the outside. So the Clown oh, Motel my. now, as of the new ownership, they gave the outside a facelift. They painted it they this, um, it's a very reddish purple um, overall yeah. with multicolored polka dots all over the whole facade. The doors are, the doors and window frames are all different colors. And they added what looks to be a 12 foot clown called Jolly <laughs> in a matching jumpsuit and a striped vest that stands in front and spans the whole two stories of the exterior of the clown motel. <laughs> oh, God. Mm -hmm. Oh. And they call this on the website a 360 degree facelift. Oh, I'm I'm sure it is. <laughs> By revamping oh, its no. exteriors with a fantastic play of clown colors, polka dot, with a touch of circus looks. <laughs> a touch. A touch of oh, circus looks. That's great. I don't know what that's circus great. looks are, but I think they got it here. They did. Um they Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Jolly the Clown became their new brand ambassador and the brand image. And, you know, I've, with the earlier one, I feel like it was kitschy. It, yes, it had a theme. It's the Clown Hotel. There's a certain kitsch to it. And it feels like this step just took it to the garish realm. Yeah. It, it went from kitschy it, and kind of cute to this is like full on garish. And this is just the yeah. exterior. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, the clown. Let me just say the clowns. What the ones that freak me out are the ones with the pointy makeup. Mm -hmm. If it's circular makeup, I'm not as freaked out. But if it's at all pointy, I think it's because I was a child of the 70s and 80s. And, you know, here in Chicago, we had Gacy, uh -huh. who is, you know, oh, a yeah. clown. Who killed everybody, killed all these guys. Yeah. You know, and so I think that's like seared into my memory as a child because, you know, you're like, wait, I've driven through that neighborhood with my parents, you know, where they found these bodies. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's what it is. So I, I'm not as terrified by this giant clown because it is rounded, um, rounded makeup. Mm -hmm. I know that's a weird distinction, <laughs> okay. but for some reason, that's where I'm you going. You know, that's where it. your bar but, is. But you can also, like, what? in all the images, you can see the cemetery is literally, like, it's literally... Oh, my God, it's right there. 30 feet away from the office. Like, it's the only other thing you see in the background besides the mining hills is this cemetery. <laughs> so it is, like, it is... Oh, jeez. They're, they're, they're across a driveway from each other. Yeah, and... I just want to say something too. He's doing some weird hand gestures. Yeah, what is this? Jolly. It's like it's. Um, I don't know, but I can't do it. It's My like two finger. It's like your pointer that. and middle finger up and your thumb out, but the other two down. And it's on both sides, and you know, half of his leg is up. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's my arthritis. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I can't. But I don't know what that means. Maybe there's a, maybe that means something. Well, somebody let us know if that actually is it, means yeah, something. Yeah, is it some kind of let let us know what Jolly very, what Jolly is doing. It's a very distinctive uh, hand gestures. It's so weird. You know. Well, aside from the revamp on the outside, they um really took care to <laughs> also zhuzh up oh, the rooms. Okay, here we go. <laughs> can't wait oh i just saw it sorry um jolly the clown is not 12 feet he's 19 okay that's... 19 feet tall on each <laughs> of the buildings um and this, oh, and they say this on the God. website the tall clown duo stands imposingly this is their website yeah. this is their website 
imposingly oh, on their God. website. Anyway, so um. <laughs> they created some themed rooms. Do you like The Exorcist? Okay. Do you like the movie uh. It? <laughs> what about Friday the 13th? I don't remember clowns in there, but I guess there's a room in that. And um, Oh, my God. <laughs> so with the intention for discerning customers to enjoy an experience of a lifetime, you know, they really just built out these rooms to make them, you know, just special. And not only did they build out the rooms, they also built out the collection. Oh, Lord. <laughs> The, the 150 <laughs> clown collection, which then later on grew as people who came to the hotel and knew the family started donating their clown stuff over time. Well, just like with every aspect of the hotel, the new owners, the Mahars, went um, full in and now there's over 3,000 clown items oh my in this God. motel. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm going to show you the okay. office. Yo. All right. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's a lot of stuff to dust. Oh, my God. <laughs> I believe this is the office or the common area. We have a wonderful um, carpet that's a combination of paisley and and Victorian floral. Oh, yeah, it is. An overstuffed okay. microfiber love seat. <laughs> And shelves chock full of clown figurines. There's there's also clowns hanging from the ceiling. Oh my god! There's a clown <laughs> with a parachute. There's clown masks. I don't know what's going on. I'd walk in there and cry. <laughs> um, it, it's a lot. Mm, it's a lot going mm, on. It is, <laughs> and like so, but it's attracted a very certain clientele, and I feel like maybe the new owners really leaned into this. So if you go on the Instagram, yeah. it is just like. The whole feed is kind of like horror-stalking hipsters that just, like, flock to this place to take photos, to do the spooky things, to, you know, kind of insane clown posse it up in front of, like, Jolly the Clown or something. Right. <laughs> I can see that. You know, this is actually probably a brilliant business move. I mean, you know, yeah. It's, it's working, and it's attracted <laughs> Hollywood. You and I have talked about ghost hunters before, haven't we, Erin? Yes, we have. They've been there. We have. They've been there. Uh -huh. So have. Oh, I'm sure they have. <laughs> so as uh, paranormal investigators, YouTubers, <laughs> filmmakers, and more, it's kind of like the new owners leaned away from the nostalgia that clowns, I guess, bring up for some people or the kind of cuteness, and they really... They really tapped the line of like the horror clown theme. You know, they went with instead of making it kind of cute and kitschy, they were like, we're just going to really latch on to the scary. They are still quite magnanimous there. They will accept donations of your clowns and your clown related paraphernalia. Um, and they always welcome people to come back and visit their clowns whenever they want to. So much oh like, God. much like Vent Haven. <laughs> oh, Lordy. <laughs> oh, my God. Sarah, can you imagine dusting this? I'd cry. That's your job, you know, nope. cleaning. I'd break every single I mean, one of those. I'd throw them on the ground. Not all of these can be cute, friendly clowns. <laughs> I would break every single one of them. Every single one of them. 
So basically, they still will take donations of clowns. There's also been movies made about it. Um, I believe one of them is called Clown Motel and then Clown Motel 2 and (laughs) Clown Motel 3 coming soon. Huluween, <laughs> Return of the Killer Binge, and Murder Motel. Um, so the prices have gone up. They're now 80 bucks a night and run up to $120 for the prime theme rooms, like the ones I mentioned before. Uh-huh. And I want to really just focus on one very special room. The Clownvis Suite. Okay. Clownvis! <laughs> room 222 is dedicated... To Clownvis. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I can't wait. Clownvis <laughs> is an Elvis impersonator, but a clown. <laughs> oh, he almost made me snort. Oh my God. <laughs> he also is responsible for writing the theme song for Clown Motel, which plays on their website. At all, oh, at all times. No. I'm. G- <laughs> um. Okay, here we go. Well, I know where oh, I'll no. go, baby, when I die. Ah! I know where I'm gonna spend my afterlife when I die. Oh my God. I'm gonna haunt the oh, clown no. motel. Oh, no. <laughs> well, it's sweeter than heaven. Uh, there's something particularly disturbing. <laughs> Particularly disturbing about the Elvis lip curl with the Reddit. (laughs) Okay, that's I can't. That's (laughs) that's almost too much. So yep. Um, Oh my. So the clown, (laughs) the Clownvis suite. um, Wow. It's dedicated to Clownvis and all of his fans. Um, Clownvis fan art will be on display in the room. Along with some of Clownvis's personal collection of what oh, no. I don't know. Oh God, um, that is terrifying. Yeah, actually, <laughs> recent reports. This is from the website. Recent reports show that the room has also been known to attract a malevolent entity who has a tendency of waking our guests in the early hours of the morning. Followed by, please oh. note the office closes at eleven p.m. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> also, they ask you to um, bring bug spray because there might be a lot of, as they call it, UFIs, unwanted flying insects. Oh, my God. Oh, it sounds like a great time. And <laughs> and though pets are permitted at the ho- at the motel in general, they're not permitted in the theme room, people. Please. Thank you. Oh, my God. So, um... <laughs> That's Clownvis. That's Clownvis. Oh, Lord. Um, (laughs) And, you know, there's been a bunch of really interesting articles about it. You know, Atlas Obscura, of course, did one. You know, Travel Nevada. There's tons of travel sites, even like UK stuff. Like, you know. Oh, I bet. (laughs) The Brits Brits are probably, what the absolute fuck? (laughs) You know, Roadside America. (laughs) <laughs> all these all these places and again i think it's come very far from the original vil- vision 
of Leona and Leroy yeah. of what they wanted to give for their father, the memory of it. Right. And it, right. so it just seems very, very far from that. But of course, hauntings and sighting reports of like ghosts and spirits because of the cemetery, which they also say is haunted, the, it oh. just runs rampant. And so people, you know, it's been named America's scariest hotel, which <laughs> I just also feel like, again, I don't know how Leona and Leroy the amazing flying twins would feel about that. Right. You know, <laughs> so it's just, right? it's a little sad, um, but you can go visit Clarence David's headstone in the cemetery. It's made of tin. And it says uh, in one of the articles that his children built this to be near their dad, to have a business near their father. And it's taken a very bizarre turn. People <laughs> do love it, but not everybody loves it. I wanted to read. Right. I, I wanted to read some of the reviews of people who have stayed at the world-famous Clown Hotel. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Wendy gives it five stars, saying, this is the best place ever, dot, 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 dot. Okay, people, it's three dots. Ellipses are three dots. Not four, <laughs> right. not five, not two. It's three. Please. <laughs> yeah. This is the best Aww. place ever, dot, 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 dot. Clowns everywhere, period, comma. Even a live clown that wanders around the property. <laughs> what? Live clown that wanders? No, no, no. Joseph says the clown hotel is so unique and we had a really nice conversation with the owner when we were there. He showed us all his clown figures, statues, and even some paintings he drew. He was also kind enough to give us a oh. tour of the hotel. Happy face, thumbs up. I hear people like to stay here because there are ghost sightings, but IDK about that. There is an Old West style cemetery right next door to it. So that's spooky by <laughs> itself. Highly recommend this place. Clown face. Oh, geez. <laughs> so, so if you want a good hotel recommendation, read, you know, take the word for, uh, from somebody that did not stay there. Oh, geez. <laughs> and then the final two. <laughs> Neves Reyes said, all the hype of this place is bull. No ghost, only an old cemetery next door. W one star. Because <laughs> there's no ghost. Oh, my God. And the final one from Caprice says, all capital letters, do not go here. Multiple explanation points. When I stayed her two weeks ago, I was terrified I would never go back. Although the manager was very, very sweet, this place gave me very bad vibes. It was unnecessarily unclean. Oh. And I thought oh. I saw dried up blood on the steps. Whoa, okay. <laughs> My door would not lock, and in the middle of the night, I woke up to extremely obnoxious knocking on my door, so I get up to check who it is, and absolutely no one was outside. To top oh it God. all off, a tannish dog burst right into my room as I was about to go outside and jumped on top of my friend. Please do not go here. God, where'd the dog go? What is this, a hound from hell? Or is it somebody's dog? <laughs> What's happening? I don't know. Okay, so I have a recurring nightmare where I live in a place and I can't lock the doors because they're all broken. And it's it's the most terrifying dream on earth. Well, this motel this is for you. Is It's in real life. <laughs> I mean, the reviews are mixed. It's, uh, it's a real mixed bag here. But if you... Love never sleeping, um, oh having the eyes of hundreds and thousands of small, tiny, face-painted 
demons staring at you all the time. <laughs> I mean, I'd go for the cemetery, but I would not stay for the clowns. That's I would go for the cemetery. I'd go for the too. cemetery. Yeah. Um. So you can. They are they are very active on Instagram and social media. You can rent a room. Again, the rights are very reasonable. And if you're headed out to the Las Vegas or you know Reno area or somewhere in between, the Clown Motel is for you. But it's not for me. Unless you want a ghost and you don't get one. I mean, you know, you can't make everybody happy. <laughs> that one star, I'm just saying. <laughs> one star. <laughs> hey, maybe that uh, dark entity in the Clownvis room is uh, Mr. David. Just really pissed, really pissed. About what they this did. This is not what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? What is, is this? this? <laughs> Why does everyone that visits have a mullet? I don't get it. <laughs> <sighs> Just so sad. Why? Why did they make it evil? Like you know, because if he if he collected clowns, he probably saw them as a source of joy. Exactly. And now it's turned into something I don't know. And like I just feel like that's probably him. Exactly. And I just Man. yeah. And it's like you know it. As I said, I think it went from the kitschy, <laughs> the kitschy, the cutely kitschy, and still just mildly terrifying for me to like very garish and like purposefully so. And. You know, yes, the ho- the motel is doing well, I guess. You know, it's, you know, people are staying there. Yeah. But it's, um, again, it, it crossed that line. And I kind of, I kind of like feel sad for the original owners and the original intent and kind of like the legacy of Clarence David. It's like, you know, he, he loved clowns, but I don't know if he would have loved this. But no, I do too. I feel bad for him too. You know, but then there's Clownvis. And um, <laughs> now, now we all know about Clownvis. So you're welcome. Watch the video and have nightmares. So, hey, you know, that's a crowded field. You got to stand out somehow. <laughs> the Elvis impersonators. Yes. You know. <laughs> yes. So that's my, that's my, that's my bad architecture. That is, oh, that was like, that, that was rough for me to do. <laughs> that was like the most scariest hotel I could think of or hotel I that could find. was super entertaining. <laughs> Oh, it's it was it's horrible. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to doing the badass architecture this week because I need the palette cleanser. I feel like I just yes, like oh, I've seen so many clowns in the last. <laughs> you just ate a shit pie. You need a cleanser. <laughs> I did. I need to wash it down with some bottled water. <laughs> right. Oh my god. Never from tap. Only oh, from bottle. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, you watch that documentary. You call me after that episode. <laughs> never, never drinking water again. Thank you. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay. Yikes. Yeah. Clown motel. That's gonna stick. And uh, yep. Uh, at least yours had a, like a happy ending. Mine just kept going and getting worse. But the cemetery is still there. <laughs> People, there's. It is like a landmark. There's a tour you can take if you go on the website of Historic Tonopah. Tonopa. I think it's Tonopa. The only reason why I know how to say it, even though I keep messing up, is because of the Clown Vis video, I will admit, because he says Tonopa multiple times. See? Helpful. Hel- helpful. That's the one the, <laughs> That's the one good thing I gleaned from that. Um, oh my God, the red lipstick and the sneer. I don't know. Mm. I'm freaked out. Mm. That freaked me out. <laughs> okay, so 
when I conceived of the idea from uh, Hotels from Hell, I um and we when Aaron and I talked about doing like a badass one, this one immediately came to mind because this is one of my favorite buildings. It's one I want to take a pilgrimage to, also for what it's been reused for. And I mean, just everything about it is just absolutely amazing. I want to introduce you all to La Conca Motel. And Ah. we're staying in Vegas. I kind of kept a regional look for mine. So La Conca Motel was built in 1961 as a roadside motel. And let me tell you, it is unlike any motel you've ever seen. The architect, Paul Revere Williams, did this insane kind of motel, the, the office and the lobby that is a stunning work of googie architecture that itself was meant to be a sign, an emblem, a logo within itself to attract people driving by to come stay at this motel. Um, it's really cool. It is. It, it's really cool. It is a hyperbolic paraboloid arch structure, and it's made with cement. It's these three arches. So if you think people called it like the clamshell as well. It's these three swoops that look kind of like a cartoon version of a clamshell that you'd see like in The Little Mermaid. And then in between, like underneath these canopies formed by these arches is just walls of glass. Uh, Just vertical, (laughs) vertical strips of glass. And it would be lit up at night. And the logo for it, for the Lakanka, was these three arches with the very stylized cursive La Conca. Is it La Conca <laughs> or La Concha? I'm horrible. I'm not sure. It might. I don't know. It could really be either one. Yeah. Somebody tell Somebody us. Somebody tell you know. us. I don't mind being corrected. Okay. And it <laughs> is, this lobby would be lit up from the front. You had the big neon sign that was to the side of it. And this thing it in itself was just this attention-grabbing modern motel of the 60s. So, like, if trying to describe it, it's, like, again, like, that clamshell or, like, a sound wave or the, like, undulating fins of a stingray and made of that thin shell concrete. So it looks looks very light. It's not a hulking concrete structure. It's very light. And it's a hundred... It was a hundred-room motel that was commissioned by Hotelier... M.K. Dumani, who set the parameters to Paul Revere Williams that he desired the structure to serve as an advertisement in itself, merging architecture and advertising into one structure. He sought out Williams himself, the designer, to do it. So this Paul Revere Williams was specifically picked for this. And sadly, the rest of the motel is now gone. That lobby still remains, and I'll get to that. So... A bit about the architect, Paul Revere Williams was born in L.A. in in 1894, but then moved to Nashville in 1896, um, and both of his parents passed away by the time he was four. He and his brother were placed in separate foster homes, and Williams early on wanted to pursue architecture, but was discouraged by it by a a high school teacher who, quote-unquote, advised him against pursuing a career in architecture because white clients would not want a black architect. Oh. Well, you know, and there were not. A, it was the sixties. <laughs> yep. And the quote, God. and the quote continues, uh, and there were not enough black clients who could afford an architect. End quote. 
you know, I'm just saying. Yep. So um, usmodernist.com has a wonderful write-up about Williams and his career. Um, but, you know, even getting such discouraging and d- d- this type of very blatant discouragement from the teacher, he went on to become the first black graduate from USC in 1919. And he was appointed to the LA Planning Commission in 1920 and was a, was licensed as a Californian architect in 1921. He opened his own practice on the side in 1922 and became the first black member of the National AIA in 1923. So he took that discouragement and just said, fuck you, I'm doing it. I love it. Yeah. And he his it. career saw the design of many iconic buildings, notably homes for the stars, so private residents for movie stars. And he wrote books, published articles that celebrated architecture, and wrote a candid autobiography autobiographical essay first published in American Magazine in 1937 in which William considers the impact of his racial identity on his life and early career. So he really, he wrote about architecture and he wrote about his experience being a black architecture, being a black architect in, you know, the 1930s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And, um, uh, yeah, it was, um, like a great book, actually. <laughs> thankfully, Part of La Conca is La Concha, La Conca is <laughs> still in existence. Like, you know, it's probably one of the most like outlandish of his designs. I mean, Googie was meant to be advertising in architecture. Um, but a lot of his residential had some of these echoes where he used curving lines, circular details, and arches, um, but none of them as defined and as like bold as this motel design. So today, this Golden example of Googie architecture has been saved. The rest of the motel was you demolished. Know, this is very Saarinen. Yeah, those like kind of like the again those soft arches, that really kind yeah. of organic form that takes shape. And again, using that thin shell concrete, which was really innovative at the time and allowed for these different forms of architecture to actually exist and. You get these like really cool like serenins. This uh, there's this amazing building at MIT that uses a thin shell, arc um, like concrete, and it's just again how what they created with it was mind blowing, and still exists. I mean, this is fabulous. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know why I haven't learned more about this architect before now. <laughs> I you know it'd be interesting to see some of the residences if there's pictures there are you know, and available. There's some beautiful ones if you go online and again there's these again the curvilinear details are in there, but this one is like so ostentatious. It really is cool. <laughs> um it's really cool. So and this whole lobby has been moved. Oh my God. So Okay. Yeah. So it still exists. It doesn't exist where it used to, but in The um, rest of the motel was demolished and the Federal Highway Administration gave a grant of $800,000 on top of private donations and other grants to help preserve this motel lobby because it was the most distinguished. The rest of the hotel was, the motel was nice, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't this. And so they moved it to the, be the welcome center of the Neon Museum of Las Vegas to serve as its welcome center. And to move it, it was a $1.5 million project that included cutting the lobby into eight pieces, 
moving, reassembling, and preserving it back to its cement and glass splendor. So a building that served as a sign, serving as a lobby for a museum for the sculptural art that is neon signs. And I love it. Right? (laughs) So I think it's a match made in roadside commercial art heaven. And here's an example of it being moved and taken apart. And, you know, how it is now serving as the welcome center for the amazing Neon Museum. And again, there's some great articles about this at the Paul R. Williams Project.org, the Neon Museum website, U.S. Modernist, Las Vegas Sun, um, Archive, Places Journal, Las Vegas Weekly. I mean, there's so much about it. It's iconic and it's still serving a purpose, drawing crowds, getting people to ooh and ah over it. And it's still just kind of a gateway for for people who love design, architecture, and art. So it's quite the structure, quite the story, quite an amazing and underrecognized architect and, you know, just stunning. Oh, I just, I love it. You know, a really good architectural design, I mean, aside from just like a vernacular design that's comfortable to live in or whatever, I mean, a really good spectacular design like this makes you not just want to look at it, but makes you want to go in, like be in it. It draws you, you know? in and Googie... Like become yeah. part of it somehow. Yeah, you want to you like, know? you want to be absorbed by it. And like Googie architecture was so about that. Its main purpose besides like, you know, yeah, it it was about advertising with the architecture. It was about being, making, catching people's eyes and making them want to come in and... And, and come into the structure. So be it a coffee shop, be it a motel, be it a business. It was all about grabbing a person and bringing them in through the design and using the architecture as the advertising. And this is one where it's just like, oh, yeah, I want to go in that building. Like, I want to go in it so badly. Oh, my God. I, yeah, I really want to go. Like I would, I, 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 listen, I know everybody loves Vegas, but I've just never felt a huge desire to go there. I'm always more into the like historic trips, you know, yep. um, older things, but this would make me want to go. Exactly. And the neon, I mean, like this, this says, come on in. And, and then <laughs> you know? the neon museum itself is where a lot of the retired neon signs for a lot, for oh. the historic neon signs of the Las Vegas Strip have been retired to. It's an outdoor museum where all these signs are lit up and they light this up at night as well. And the fact that it's been repurposed as like the welcome center for basically the most iconic form of like, of commercial art and light is just, oh, it just makes me smile and I want to go there so bad. It's wonderful. Yay. It's wonderful. That is badass. Sarah. Yep. We have it's Paul badass. Paul Revere Williams <laughs> to thank for this insanely amazing design. So Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, this is amazing. Yeah. It's really I love it. It's it's splendid. It's just, I don't know. I look at it and I can't not smile. I can't not want to go there. And it makes me so happy that so many people raised such a significant amount of money to not only save it, but to move it, restore it, and have it be an active contributing structure to, you know the to the city to the culture of the city so oh, yeah it's great yeah Yay. wonderful oh, i'm so glad you like yes. that i've been like waiting i love it so much <laughs> wonderful yeah so that's my badass architecture 
for the week. This is this is a this is a heavy week. Oh, I already feel better. The clown. I've got. The, <laughs> 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 I have the clown a little bit out of my system. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, me too. All right. Well, we'll you know we'll do this again next time. Yeah. Great. Great one. This is a great one. All right. Bye, bad architect. Sure. <laughs> what do you like? Um, I feel like. We need to like, do we have a sign off? We don't really have a sign off, I guess. We should have a sign off. We'll work on that. We'll work on that. That's something we'll work on. All right. Besides that, just (laughs) goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.